Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome back after a layoff to another episode of One of These Years. I'm, of course, Nick Bumgarner, along with Colton Pouncey. Uh, we were off last week. That's probably my fault. I was at the Senior Bowl. I had my microphone, Colton, but I uh, did not account for the um, fact that those practices last all day. And they're long, they? yeah. yeah, they're a long day. And also, like, I stayed at, like, I don't know. I had to drive. I just picked the wrong location. I was, like, a 20-minute drive longer than I wanted to be. Okay. So it was just a pain in the ass. In any event, we're back this week. Sorry about all that. More to talk about. More to talk, more to about, talk about. And yeah, that's the other thing, too. There wasn't much going on last week, but there is a little bit more. There was, but there was less clarity. Now we have a little bit more. So in any event, Colton, how are we doing? Uh, how are things since we last left off? Good. Yeah, it's been a minute, but uh, glad to be back. We got some uh, coaching updates. Uh, yeah. We'll get your insight from the Senior Bowl, and uh, yeah, we'll get rolling. Yeah, a lot to uh, probably recap or talk about, and part of the reason why we decided to hold off last week was that there was still um, a lot up in the air in terms of the Lions coaches. Uh, I guess we'll start with Aaron Glenn. Cool. And that's probably the, that's what we were talking about before we started on here. Um, Cardinal's job has been filled or he, at least he's out of that. It's been filled. Am I missing it hasn't this? Been filled yet. There's <laughs> okay, like three finalists out. apparently. And he's out, of <laughs> he's out on the Cardinal's job. Who's the, who are the finalists, by the way, do you know? Do we even know? know? It's not like AG. Okay. List. So it's <laughs> not, not AG. Well, I know it's not AG. Yeah. So it's not him. He's out on that one, and the only one left uh, that he's t- technically still involved with, I suppose, would be the Colts. And uh, as we were saying before uh, we started recording here, nobody knows what the hell Jimmer is doing. Uh, <laughs> my theory on that from the start was like Chris Ballard was going to interview every qualified person in the NFL he could think of, which I think he kind of has. Like, um, yeah. You know, and then just Basically. like throw the whole list at Ursay and be like, Look at all of these people. Do, you do not hire Jeff Saturday, and so <laughs> I feel like that now. That's like a fifty thousand foot aerial view of the situation. I don't know the uh, the internals. Obviously, we follow Zach Kiefer here uh, as close as we can um, at the Athletic, and I, I think Zach is trying to keep it as close to the middle as he can, and saying that like. It's probably presumptuous that people just assume it's going to Jeff Saturday, but also like he doesn't quite. I don't think anybody really knows where that's going, right? So, 
I guess that's where it's at. Where where do am I am I missing anything with AG here, Colton? Where where's the reset on him uh, as things sit? How many interviews in total do, has he done in this round? Would we say? Yeah. So the Cardinals were interested, um, and then the Colts were interested. Uh, the Cardinals dropped out with their list of three. I think that yeah. includes the Bengals, DC. Uh, oh right. Okay. Luana Romo. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the Scott Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator. I think he's in there. Both uh, Bengals coaches, yeah. Okay. Actually, no, he's been a limit. Sorry, Mike Kafka. Uh, Ooh, I like him. He's yeah. in there. Yep. So they got they got a couple guys that they're yeah, okay. interested in. Um, and so AG apparently was informed that he was not a finalist for that. Okay. Um, which, you know, it's still not not, and this is no discredit to, to AG. Um, yeah. You know, we when you when you're around football and you know these guys and he's been in this game for a long time, you're gonna get interviews for jobs even if like the numbers don't really back that. Like right, exactly. Their defense hasn't finished above like you know thirtieth or whatever in, in total offense the last couple of years. So I, I understand how on the outside on the surface it might not seem like he's ready for a job like this, but at the same time like guys in the NFL respect him. Oh um, my god, he's gonna. Yeah. I know he's just gonna knock. I know he's been killing all these interviews. I don't think that's a matter of it. It's just you know um, I think the Lions get more success if he comes back. They add defensively. Um, their defense goes from like thirtieth to like even fifteenth. I think he'll get like a lot more looks next year. Um, but the fact he's already gotten two serious looks, like multiple interviews with the Cardinals, made it to what seems like one of the final rounds with the Colts, but who knows what's going on there. Right, they have, yeah. Like, 17 right. rounds. Um, <laughs> but the fact he's gotten this far, I mean, it speaks to like how people view him in this league. And yeah. again, like he might not get it this time around just because the Colts, like it seems like Ursay is just <laughs> going through this whole circus just to wind up with Saturday at the right. end. I mean, that's, that's, well, that's our fear from the anyway. outside, but. <laughs> Yeah, right. uh, and that'd also be like absolutely hilarious if it happens. I'm kind of hoping it does <laughs> at this point. Um, but uh, the fact that he's gotten that far kind of speaks to just, yeah, again, how he's viewed around the league. Um, and I do think if he has one more year of success, success with Detroit, in with the Lions, um, he's going to get a lot more of these looks and might not be around by this time next year. Yeah, I think that it's inevitable almost. Uh, it almost feels like that, that he's going to get a head yeah. coaching job sooner than later. Um for all the reasons you said, Colton, and I think the thing that pe- and I think he's gotten, he's a head coach. I mean, let's just be clear, okay? That's that's when what he, he is. The, yeah. That, yeah, Aaron Glenn is going to be a head football coach in the NFL before too long. Everybody knows that. Uh, yes, it's the full package of Aaron Glenn, and that's what you meant. You noted it that everybody respects him, and there's not going to be an interview that he walks into that he doesn't, you know, that he doesn't kill. I think sometimes he gets worried. That and people around him maybe get worried that uh, maybe he doesn't care, but people around him get worried that um, that the lack of success maybe is of stats, you know, the lack of the where they rank or whatever would hurt yeah. him. And I, I just always tell them like no, like that people that pay attention that really pay attention, and there's a lot more of those out there than we realize and we that we give credit to. They know Aaron Glenn, and it's not just the the assistant coaching work he's done with the Saints or whatever. Um, they remember him as a player. Uh, AG was a um, was a uh, personnel guy at one point before he started coaching. He was a talent evaluator. So mm-hmm. there's so much that goes into uh, him, and I think that yeah, Hard Knocks did I think did favors for him in, in that it showed maybe some people that weren't familiar or remembered that he was coaching. Maybe people that remembered he was a player, right? Oh yeah, he's a coach now. Maybe that helps. But like really, if you're paying attention at all, you see the leadership skills. You see his ability to relate to players. And I think really you see his ability to draw out um, whatever's in there. And it doesn't always work. 
doesn't always come out or we see it. But like my argument always has been like, if a guy's got it, he gets it out. And we talk a lot about Jeff Okuda. Maybe he doesn't have it. If Aaron Glenn can't get it out of you, maybe you don't have it. And I think that, that smart football people see that with him. And so when we get a lot of these questions throughout the year of like, well, his defense sucks. The other part of that would be that I would say this. <clears throat> the hardest job in football right now, outside of being a head coach, in the coaching part anyway, is a defensive coordinator. It's the hardest thing there is. There's no, not even a close second. It's the hardest job. You're, everything is designed for you to fail. Like the, the, the game is designed for points to be scored, for uh, things to be easier for offenses, for quarterbacks to be hit less, for receivers to be grabbed less and touched less. It's a hard job. It's the hardest job in football, you know, frankly. So um, that's why guys like that, to Colton's point, get looks and will continue to get looks. And yeah, I mean, I think that you said it a little more, more success and maybe that's what he needs to get over the top. But frankly, I don't even know if that's what it is. I, 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 they could have a similar yeah. year. And I think it's just a matter of like, he needs to find the right fit. Uh, and probably, yeah, the right owner to be like, okay, you've done this for a couple years now. That's what I felt like last year that held him back with the Saints. That didn't make It still doesn't make sense to me that he didn't get that job. I'm still a little confused that he didn't. But like, maybe it was like, you haven't been around long enough. I don't know. But yeah, to your point, I just... I think it's a matter of time, right? Like, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be that long. I, I don't know about the Colts, so I don't know about this year, but, like, maybe I don't know if he'll be here two more years. That would be surprising. Honestly, I'm, if I'm him, I don't even know if I – like, I obviously want to be yeah. a coach, but I don't, I don't know if Indy's like – I like Chris Ballard. That is a tough – that's a that's tough – That's a tough one. Yeah. I like Ballard, and I like the front office, but Ursay's lost his mind is what it seems yes. like. So, yeah. He really had – I knew that when we were at – I'll tell you this. We were yeah, at, that's uh, right. You were at the joint practices. Joint practices yeah. in Indy. This man shows up wearing, the, like, the most luxurious, like, tuxedo. I don't even know what he was wearing. Like, just in 80-degree weather. like, yeah. golf cart in 85-degree weather, handing out $100 bills to fans just so they would cheer for him. I'm like – Bro, it doesn't have yeah. to be like this. I'm telling well, you, we should have known then. We should have known then that it was headed nowhere. Yeah. Uh, but in any event, oh, AG, man. he's still a lion for now. If he were to go, Colton, uh, you know, last year we talked a lot about, you know, the panic there. And I, you know, again, I, I think it would be a sizable, they're in a better place as a team in general to be able to withstand something like that. But it would be a, it would, it would hurt. It would be a sizable gap. Um, and we were talking earlier, like, I don't think that there would be an internal promotion here um, if yeah. if Aaron left. I really don't. I think it would be external, and I don't know what it would be. You know, that would be one where we'd probably have to go back to the board and say, like, okay, well, and he would, probably Campbell would too, because I think that that's the, that, and that I thought about this last time we talked about this, when um, Campbell was so, like, we talked about how he was much more comfortable with the idea of losing Ben Johnson than he was with Aaron Glenn last year. And that's because I think that in the like five years, the, the last like five years that Campbell was an assistant, when he when he would think about, I'm going to be a head coach someday, that thought immediately came with, and Aaron is going to be my defensive coordinator. And that's just how it's going to be. And we're going to do it together. And I, th I think that's how he's thought about it for a long time. And I'm very yeah. curious to see what happens when that has to end? Because it will end soon. And I, I don't think that, maybe not this year, but I think sooner than later. I'm very curious to see what Campbell's next step there would be. Yeah, you'd have to think it's going to be an external hire if Glenn does get a job. Uh, mm -hmm. Trying to think of like internal candidates. Like I guess yeah. for a while it was maybe Aubrey Pleasant. Obviously not anymore. Yeah, um, I mean. 
like Kelvin Shepard, I, I remember I did a story with him before the season, and I asked him like, "So what's your what's your end goal here?" He's like, "Honestly, I want like I didn't think it was a possibility for me, but I want to be a DC or maybe even yeah. a coach if I can get that far one day." Um, and that, he said he'd be that the Glenn, one. He did yeah. say Glenn has been like getting him more involved in the mm-hmm. game planning and just taking him under his wing, saying like, "Look, man, like I was in a similar spot to you." Um, you know, I have my, I have goals myself. Mm-hmm. And honestly, uh, the funny thing he told me this funny story, he's like, I guess Glenn told him, I don't even care if you're like coming from my job, because guess what? If I get fired, I'm getting a new job tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's why that's, you're that's Glenn is, told Yeah. That's why he is who he is. Like he exudes yeah. confidence. Yeah. Continue. Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. I started dying when he said that. Um, so, uh, I, my guess would be Shep would be, <clears throat> if they were to go internal, would be the next man up. I just wonder if he has all the experience that he needs for a job yeah, like that. I think it's good point. still kind of early. He's only been coaching for a few years, um, made that transition from player to coach, um, I believe. And really, I mean, he, he was looking at some jobs at like Vanderbilt. He ended up taking like an off-field assistant job at LSU mm-hmm. in uh, like the 2020 season before yep. coming to Lions. So really hasn't been coaching on-field that 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 long. So yeah, it's might really two years. Year yeah. yeah. Um, I almost wonder if he would go with AG. You know, that's maybe. another one that yeah. if, if when we talk about you know, guys that left. Oh, he likes Campbell a lot too. But he's got ties to both, so I could see it. Right. right. And like you nailed it because I think that he is a future he is a future coordinator, but you would really like him to be around somebody that's a little older and like Aaron Glenn is older. So like it's like uh if, and if you're, well, you're gonna be a defensive coordinator. Yeah, if he's gonna be his defensive, defensive coordinator, I think that, that right. would work. Uh but it's yeah. also a situation where I'm curious if Campbell and AG this year put more on Shepard's plate and say like, well, you know, like kind of what they've done with Ben Johnson, you know, it's like, well, you know, these guys aren't going to be here forever and we'll see um, what's up next for you. Uh, we know Sean Dion Hamilton is elevated uh, up the ladder there in a short amount of time. Uh, so Tanner I, could, and I Yeah. And Tanner. And I could definitely see that happening for Kelvin. I mean, I don't know. And I think that that was when you and I were talking before, it was like, well, he's the only one internally that I would even, that I think would even maybe even get an interview. I don't even know if anybody else would would sit down. Um, Probably not. But you know that would be a tough call. I don't know. We'll we'll see if it if it ends up happening or not. But like those are all things to think about long term down the road. And I do wonder about if you know you have a situation now because we originally thought maybe that would be Aubrey Pleasant's job down the line, and it's and that showed us that it's kind of foolish sometimes to be totally presumptuous with that sort of thing. But I think mm-hmm. that it's fair to think that Shepard. You know, he played here too. And I think that that's, you know, with the Lions. And I think that that's part of the, he likes it here. They like him, um, all that sort of thing. I definitely think he, I could see a path for him to continue elevating here in time, which is a great thing, right? Because two two years ago, (laughs) that was not a thing. Now you're talking about like, (laughs) if he leaves, you got a guy that maybe could come in and success. You know, I don't know. It's it's very, all very interesting how it's happened. That's what smart organizations do, right? Like, that's right. They kind of keep the pipeline going. Um, They're never really, you know, worried about, you know, the next man up. They have that guy in place. um, And if that's not the right fit, then they go out and get the right guy. But for a lot of these these teams, like, the smart thing to do is just, like, keep building up the pipeline. And I think the Lions have done that pretty well. Um, so if it's a guy like Shepard, you know, we'll see. And, and maybe a year from now, we'll see if he's ready for that job. Um, but they've done it on the offensive side of the ball, too, which, you know, that's kind of what part of these staff restructurings that they announced uh, on, on Thursday uh, with their new staff. So 
I mean, it yeah. seems like they're kind of building that, they're building that pipeline up. Uh, they understand like, hey, the, the more success we have as a franchise, as an organization, right. the more guys we're going to lose. So we got to start preparing some of these guys. Yeah, and, it, and the other part of that too is like I was just going to say, like your your defensive system changing necessarily <coughs> isn't as big a deal sometimes as the offensive system. But you know, if you don't have the players, it is, and that becomes the second part of that equation. Is that you know throughout this rebuild, the Lions have done a good job of not overextending themselves in areas where you don't need to, because you can get by with you know younger guys on defense. You can get by. When we say get by, that's it. That's all you can do. You can survive. That's it. But you can't go any further. And now they've definitely reached that stage where it's like people want to continue to blame the staff for a lot of stuff. And that's what I was saying earlier where I think, you know, people around AG mm-hmm. get worried that like the lack of stats. But hey, look, if he's back, and I you know, very good chance he's back. I mean, I don't know that he's leaving anywhere. If he's back, you gotta give him some players. <laughs> like that's the other part yeah. of the equation and conversation. Because you do have good coaches here that are going to start getting frustrated if they don't have talent to work with. And it's like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that yep. leads me to the probably the other side of the, the conversation with the coaches is that there's still others uh, sort of in transit here at one side of the ball that does have the talent. Uh, Deuce Staley, are we still waiting to see officially on Deuce? Colton, is the, have the Panthers announced this? Or is that done? I don't think they've announced it officially yet. Um, so I mean, not the Lions official. have announced their new running backs coach, so I'm guessing yeah. it's like as official as we get without actually announcing <laughs> And they it, wouldn't but. do that, obviously, if Deuce maybe were leaving. Maybe I just missed the Twitter. The yeah, but in any event, yeah. Deuce, Deuce moving on or uh, headed to Carolina uh, uh-huh. to be, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe they were still sort. maybe that's why they're still sorting out what his role is going to be. I think coordinator mm-hmm. was possible. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me if he's an, uh, an assistant head coach type situation again there. Um, yeah. But also, I believe it was reported that his mom is, uh, that's where his mom's at, right? Is this correct? His mom, I think, is in South Carolina. And so he yeah, that's to right. Near the, the Carolinas. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if she's ill or not, but like, obviously she's older and Deuce wants to be near her family and that's that opportunity. But also, I, I don't know if play calling, you know, type situation, that wouldn't be on the table here. And I think that if that's something he wants to do. But that brings up the bigger point. And I think that that's a big loss. I, th- I think that's a pretty big loss. And it's like people look at that and say, well, it's a running backs coach. And yes, it's the one position other than tight ends, which frankly, that's a little bit more complicated. You're, you're coaching one one guy. You're coaching one spot, right? And I think a lot of people look at that and say, well, it's whatever. It's one spot. But that that's... A, that's wrong, and B, because there's so much more to that than just one spot, and B, like, he was way more than just a position coach here. Tell him why. Tell him why. And, you know. And I think that it's it's the pulse. It's the everything, right? It's the he mm-hmm. had the temperature of the entire building. And I think that when we have gotten further back from the beginning of this, the very beginning, uh, I think Deuce Staley deserves – as much or more credit than any assistant coach on the staff, because I think that he was the guy, maybe even more than Aaron Glenn, um, that was like, look, these guys are miserable. The guys that you brought back, the guys that are here from, that were held over, the people that are just around the building. Like, this is a fun, this is supposed to be an enjoyable game. It, It can't be, like, I think Deuce knows better than anybody. Like, football is a miserable hell if you're not having some kind of fun, if you're not having some sort of enjoyment, if you're not working towards something together 
And I think he was the reason that they, you know, Deuce is the guy that put the pool tables in the locker room, put the uh, table tennis, all that crap in there. Uh, they have costume contests, all that fun stuff. Like, he's the reason why they all do it. Because he was like, hey, it's okay. You can have fun in here. It's cool. Like, it's okay to, like, like each other and have fun and, and work together yeah. and be a family. And he's gone now. And a lot of people trusted him. A lot of people went to him in times where things were tough. That was the other thing that, you know, guys would go to him when they didn't feel like they could go to Campbell. And that was Deuce's role. Um, they have guys here that can fill that role, but not quite like him. Uh, and I think that that's probably the thing that to take away here is that Deuce Staley's being overlooked in a lot of these jobs. And like, yeah, he's getting, he's climbing the ladder. I guess we'll see where it goes, but that's another head coach waiting to get a chance to be, he's got those qualities. And I think that that's the thing that I don't think people quite understood when I, when I saw that, when, you know what I mean? Did you get the same sense? Like, I don't think people quite realized the loss there. Um, that maybe yeah. this this is. I think I guess the outsider might just watch Deuce from Hard Knocks yelling at Glenn uh, for like yeah, two hours right. straight and just being like, "Oh, well, it's just the, the it's, running backs coach having a yeah. good time." It's whatever. Performative. Like, two people think performative. Yeah, like right. they're just entertaining for TV. That's it. They they don't know what they're doing. You know, like I don't know if that was some of it, but like right. Like when you really break it down, like you just did. Like he's an important guy in this locker room. Like oh man, I think Jamal said when he was on um, Good Morning Football. That uh, Deuce is a guy that like gives him financial advice to set up for his future. Um, we saw right. Hard Knocks, a scene of I think it was like before a preseason game. This is where you make your money, guys. Like this is where we determine who stays, yeah. who goes. This is how you get paid in this league. So go out and perform. Like he kind of puts it all into perspective for people. And I think again, it's easy to look at him yelling back and forth or doing all this stuff. But like those players really respect him, and mm-hmm. you know he's got the attention of the locker room. And even Campbell, like we saw Campbell say like. Would be the worst thing if we got rid of like a Craig Reynolds, like right? And who who do you who do you ask that? He asked Deuce. Deuce. Yeah, and he was like, "You ready to get into a fight with the offensive line?" Exactly. <laughs> That's what he exactly. Told him. <laughs> <laughs> so like Campbell trusts him. Campbell's like, "All right, so what's going to happen if I get rid of this guy?" Because Campbell's thinking big picture, right? That's his job. Right. Yeah. He's got to think about the roster. He's got to think about little moves here and there. Um. So when he wants a temperature check, he goes to Deuce. He mm-hmm. went to a guy like Deuce to to give him that. And he's like, "All right, cool. Now I know." Uh. So that guy's gone now, and. You know, he's not, I don't want to say he's irreplaceable, but it's hard to, to find another guy like that that you it trust is. as much as he trusted Deuce. Um, so they got a new running backs coach now, Scotty Montgomery. Has a good background. Um, he's been a head coach himself. Yes. Um, he's. I, I feel like he has more of a wider offensive background in terms he of... He does. You know, he's been, like he's a, been a coordinator. He's been an OC mm-hmm. before um, at Maryland. <clears throat> um, spent the last couple of years in Indianapolis with the Colts under Frank Reich's staff over yeah. there. Coaching Jonathan Taylor, so I think that's that's a good fit, and he took on the assistant head coach title in addition to running backs coach. So maybe that shows that um, Campbell feels like he can be one of those absolutely, guys too. yeah. Um, so I think in terms of replacing Deuce, they did pretty well there. But again, like Deuce was already in your system, already knew exactly like what you everybody wanted, knew him. what you needed yeah. from him. Everyone knew him, so it's just going to take some time to kind of rebuild yeah. that. I think, and that that was a good hire because that's Scotty Montgomery's reputation is a lot like. He's a play caller too, but like he's had that yeah. experience. But it's a lot like with Deuce. It's it's a similar vibe from everything I remember. Um, Loxley had him at Maryland for a minute. They yep. loved him there. Uh, I think he was head coach at was it Tulsa somewhere else? Maybe I'm not he's sure like where it was. East but Carolina. he was for a hot sec. East Carolina, that's what it was for a hot second. Um, but he's really highly thought of as a person. That's another. It made sense to me that that was the uh, the fit. But I, I mean, the Deuce part, I don't want to totally leave off on that because I think that yeah. That's a guy that um, 
I don't know how you get him there, but I feel like he's a lot like Campbell. I feel like he is a lot like Dan Campbell. And I he got Dan Campbell got hired without um, play calling experience, right? And that's rare. And he was an assistant head coach with Peyton for however many years it was. Um, but I don't know if Deuce is going to get play calling experience somewhere. I don't know if that's going to work out. But I do think that someone somewhere down the road needs to take a hard look at candidates like him, specifically him, when openings come up. Because, and we'll see how it works in Carolina, right? Maybe this is the thing that he needs to go do and prove. Maybe he needs to prove it, fair or unfair, in multiple places. That he can go into a locker room in Detroit and help them heal themselves, help them play their best ball in ways that doesn't involve just calling, you know, offense. And if you can go to Carolina and do the same thing, maybe you've seen all you need to see. But, like, these are candidates in coaching that get overlooked all the time for top mm-hmm. jobs, and they shouldn't because they're the, they are the secret sauce. Like, Scotty Montgomery, you said it. He'll get there in time. It'll take, you know, I'm sure it'll take a, a minute. But, like, it's going to take a minute. Like, that's the point. Like, <laughs> like deuce at it, man. Like, that's why yeah. they are able to grind through those games. Like, it's not just one coach. It's not just one person. Like, he was a big deal here. And, you know, I was glad to see that the play calling stuff was on the table for him. I hope it works out because he's a really good one. And I think that people would be better suited to sort of look at some of those guys. Lions hire him all the time. We, you know, there was some more we're going to talk about here. But that's Montgomery's, you know, reputation is is, is more about the, him as a person, I think, than it is as a coach, right? Like, I, that's their style here. I think so. And I will say with Deuce, it is sort of a shame that he has to – I don't know if it's a shame, but I mean, the fact that he feels maybe he needs to have that offensive yeah, play calling I, right. experience. Right. That's what I was trying to get at. It feels just to weird, get a head right? job because, yeah, yeah we've he, seen. With I feel like he doesn't nothing. need it, but, you know, it is he what it is. He shouldn't need yeah. it, but yeah. if, if that's what NFL circles think he needs, I right. think that's, that line of thought, yeah. thought is a little outdated. Um, I agree. The NFL is moving towards guys like Campbell and like Rabel. We've I hope him so. Have success. I hope so. It yeah. should. In my opinion, but we'll mm-hmm. we'll see if it actually gets there. But a guy like Deuce would be a perfect mold for that if it goes that way. Absolutely. Um, in due time, we'll see if he gets there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll see if it works out. Obviously, one way or the other for him. But um, you haven't heard the last of Deuce. Obviously, we'll see where it goes. But he's a good dude. In any event, come of the new guys coming in though, Colton. We'll talk about um, mm-hmm. some of those as well. Um, Steve Hyden, a new tight ends coach. Which obviously, um, we'll start with him. Uh, that moves Engstrand over to, well, what do they call him? Passing group coordinator? Pass, that pass the, game you know? coordinator, which is a title he already held. Um, which is a title he already held. His sole job now. But I think that what we sort of talked, we sort of talked on this a while ago, um, that is going to allow him to be the assistant offensive coordinator or whatever you want to call it. For yes. lack of a better phrase, it'll allow him to be Ben Johnson's uh, squire or whatever for the year. And uh, yeah, and just be the guy who learns learns how to learn how to be a coordinator, right? And like so that you have one ready to go when when Ben Johnson moves on, unless Ben Johnson takes him with with him on his way out the door. But like that's I think what you're going to have there. And then Steve Hyden, um, I actually like that hire a ton as well. He is um, Dan Campbell. He played the game like Dan Campbell. It's the same. They're the same same (laughs) career. They're the same player. Uh, so hey, Campbell calls those guys hammerheads, I think, right? Like the guys who get 18 catches a year or whatever it is. And then, you know, they just block. And and that, tell, that told me that that's where they're going and where they're going to stay with the tight ends, right? Like we talked about that when they traded TJ 
you know, it's time to get, you know, these guys <laughs> to learn how to block and all this sort of thing. Like, that's, they have not had a guy on staff like Steve Hyde. Like, they've had some issues with tight end blocking, and I feel like that's going to be something that he can really maybe help with. Yeah, uh, just real quick going back to, like, how similar they are. Yeah. Uh, they're both 6'5 tight ends. Right. They're both drafted in the third round of the 1999 NFL draft. Hyden was yep. drafted 10 spots ahead of Campbell. Oh. They both spent, like, 10-plus years in the league. Yeah. They both became tight end coaches, and now they'll work together in Detroit. So, like, that's... That. I, was, I, was I bet I was they're like, similar people, too. I'm just going to guess. Was, yeah, personality-wise, too. I mean, you have to. They're probably cut from the same cloth. Yeah, right. Uh, so, I was like, Campbell just hired himself as tight ends coach. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in t- you're right. In terms of, like, what they've had at the tight ends coach position, like, the last couple of years, they've had Ben Johnson, who's mm-hmm. not a tight end. Nope. And they've had Tanner, who's not a tight end. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, now you get a guy that can probably teach more of the fundamentals and knows the position and can relate to the guys a little bit more. So, it's never a bad thing, and in the process, you're able to, uh, you know, get a guy like Tanner closer to Ben Johnson for a year, and yes, um, let him learn, and you know, just I guess watch more, watch watch closely, like what he's doing to like get this team on the right track, get the offense going, um, like just hopefully take some of those concepts with him before Ben leaves. And again, yeah. hopefully you keep Tanner if Ben does right. leave. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a good situation. I yeah. think we were kind of wondering like what this would mean for some guys when they first announced Hayden, um, but the picture's starting to make sense. Like it feels like this is what they're trying to do with this. Yeah, um, these these two spots here. Like I think they were hopeful that nobody took uh, Engstrand from him. I think they like him a lot, and I think this is a good. I think a lot of a lot of staffs do this. Um, you see this now, where and the tight ends coach actually ends up being what they do with it. They stash the guy there because. Like we just talked about, like you can have your offensive line coach sometimes pitch in with the, you know, you can stash guys. And a lot of guys, this has happened. Uh, I think the Rams have done this before. We've seen young coaches come and go and sort of cycle through there with weird jobs. And then they go be a college coordinator. And then suddenly, yeah. randomly, a job opens back up on the Rams staff. And, oh, well, how about that? They're back on the Rams. You know what I mean? So I think that uh, there's some of that happening here, which I think is good. And like we talked about that maybe last summer with Engstrand where it was pretty obvious that he saw the sort of like open rapport that Campbell allows with these coaches. Like Ben Johnson was able to make his moves because I think Campbell was like, anybody that's gotten any ideas, start talking. And he did. And they were better than everybody's. So I think that it's encouraged guys like a Tanner Engstrand to also, you know, speak up and, you know, it's helped out for him. The other guy coming in here, that I wanted to touch on. Uh, my favorite hire of the of the bunch is Dre Bly, who yeah. is a uh, former Lion, as everyone knows. One of my favorite former Lions. Um, I don't think there's too many people that didn't like Dre Bly, the player. Now, Colton, a lot of questions about Dre Bly, the coach, though, as he's coming from North Carolina. And they did not exactly have a great couple years, I guess, with, like, whatever. I don't know. Like, recruiting didn't work. What, what, what's the deal with... Dre Bly's uh, North Carolina situation, and what do you make of this one? I so I'll be honest, like I didn't really understand much of the criticism until I saw you like going back yeah, and forth people on Twitter. I was like, "What's are people like mad at this hire? Like you <laughs> yeah. just hired a former Pro Bowl guy uh, who's well respected, who likes to be play, here, play right. here yeah, right. and knows what it's like to play <laughs> right, here? Yeah, <laughs> like right. You're not recruiting here, buddy. Like it doesn't no. matter. You don't need to have. That's not your job here. Your job is to no. train these guys up." Uh, Provide a little insight on your career and what worked for you, and try to get the mm-hmm. best out of these guys. Like that's all you need to do in a cornerback's job at the NFL level. Like that's it. I don't. Yep. 
I don't understand. What like, the, what I don't like, and, and and now like the people who were like, well, he didn't get the most out of his guys or whatever. It's like, first of all, number one, I don't know who set recruiting rankings uh, on any of these things. Those rankings are wrong as much as they're right. That's I'm not going to even give it credit and say that they're right a lot because they're wrong as much as they're right. Okay. That's number one. So I'm not going to sit here and judge anybody on that. Number two, He's not the head coach. He doesn't make decisions on who comes and goes. He doesn't even make decisions on what they teach. Okay? They te- they tell you what to do. <laughs> Number two, they're kids. Yep. They're 18-year-old kids. Like, teaching someone how to play corner sometimes is like you either can or can't. It's not – there's no teach sometimes involved with at the college level. So teaching yep. college football and teaching pro football are like – you couldn't be any different in this situation. So – yeah, I think I was pretty blunt and said I don't give a shit what Trey Plyce's quarterback success rate record at North Carolina was because it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, his job here will be um, to continue preaching what Aaron Glenn is teaching and then and then to help these guys with the little things, with the technique and, the, and confidence and, you know, little tricks of the trade that, you know, corners are desperate to learn all the time. How many times do we talk to corners – where they're like, I love talking to old guys who played the position because nobody knows it better. Well, there you go. Yeah. You got two old guys who played it as well as anybody in man, and I. This is a perfect tire. I think this is really, really good. I, just, I guess I just don't understand when people became upset about like your background before you came to the Lions as a coach because that wasn't a thing yeah. like a couple no. years ago. <laughs> That's like, very true. That's there was Mark Brunel coaching before he like joined the staff, right? Like, high school. It was like, high school. Yeah. Okay. He was a high school coach for like a year. Uh, Kelvin Shepard was at LSU, like off the field. He was an analyst or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like a recruiting he's analyst a or some shit. <laughs> right. uh, I think he was doing like Randall recruiting L. visits. <laughs> like literally, he was not like an on-field coach. <laughs> no, um, Randall L. I don't know what he was doing. I think he, he was, was like, an assistant in receivers coach assistant for a couple years. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so like, like the experience. And, is yeah, there and with a lot of these Glenn students. was the only guy really that had any experience. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point. So we're getting mad at, at Dre Bly for going to North Carolina for a couple of years and not coaching like an All-American? Like, come on, guys. Yeah, like, whatever. I think I think the thing to remember with these former players, too, is when if you're talking about a guy that played for 12 years, that's coach. That's basically that's, coaching experience. Like, what are you talking about, right? You've learned enough right? to pass some of that along. You've learned enough to pass some of that along, yes. Especially if you're not that far removed, right? Like, I mean, he's not that old. What is Dre Bly, 40? 45? Is he even that old? I don't even know if he. I might be dating him, but like, he's, he's that's, those are the those are the in vogue. Uh, I think hires right now. Uh, they're starting to be more and more, and I think that Dan Campbell has started, or at least kickstarted some of that trend because they've had some big success here um, with hiring guys like that. And I bet you we're gonna stop here in a second. We want to break. I bet you they had. I bet you they've turned guys down. I bet you they've had phone calls, more phone calls with these openings by double than they've had in any of the previous. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Guys wanting to work here. I mean, young guys, hungry guys. Yeah. If you're if you're like 42 and played in the league and want to be a coach, <laughs> like, ha, this is perfect, right? You do this for free here. That, you're probably already on a, on a Campbell list. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah you're on a <laughs> watch list. Fit that description, yeah. <laughs> you're on the Campbell watch list. And anyway, okay, we'll take a break here. And we'll come back on the other side and uh, talk a little Senior Bowl and some drafts and whatever else we got going on here. So hang with us. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, we're back uh, with one of these years talking Lions. A little uh, draft talk. Colton, I was at the Senior Bowl last week. Um, of course, got sunburned pretty bad. Everyone did, actually. It was a pretty bad uh <laughs> Weather Monday or Tuesday was, um, I think, one of the hottest. Dane was saying it was the hottest day he'd ever been at at the Senior Bowl in his however many years he's been going to the Senior Bowl. So it was like oh, 80, was it? it was like eighty eight degrees and like full sun, like oh, full sun. Oh, and man. so, and you know, in the uh, <laughs> they have it now at South Alabama uh, in the stadium there, which is a nice stadium. Uh, it's all metal bleachers though, so you're sitting on these metal aluminum oh. bleachers, and that sun was like. It reflected, and it was just like by like three o'clock. I was like, "Oh my god!" I didn't realize it. It was like it stuck up on me. So, in any event, we recovered. You didn't bring Everyone, your uh, you didn't bring your Nick Saban. I, I had a hat. You didn't bring your Nick Saban uh, bucket hat. I did have a hat, but I had short sleeve shirt on. So, like my arm, it was it was bad. It was one of those days where it's like even the oh, spots okay. where you didn't think you were gonna get it got it. It was like my fingers <laughs> got sunburned. It was just like, oh my god, it was horrible. Yeah. But in any event, we made it through. We all survived the Senior Bowl, uh, weather weather permitting, always there. 
Um, I don't know. You were checking it out, I'm sure. Did you uh, you see anybody that, um, when you were watching or reading through any of the things that uh, caught your eye? And I've got some sleepers here we can talk about, but anybody that uh, popped to you at all? I mean, a guy I, I used to cover, uh, Jaden Reed, I, I saw yeah. clips of him like all week long, and I was like, he must be having a pretty good week down he there. He did have a great week, some money. yes. Yeah. Um, his separation... Like, we, we saw that at Michigan State, but mm-hmm. it seems like he was just kind of... That was a perfect setting for him to kind of show off uh, the quick twitch, the speed a little bit, uh, the ability to create his footwork, all that stuff. Seems like he did make himself some money there, because I didn't know exactly where he'd be drafted. He's a smaller guy. Yeah. Didn't really have the best production, was kind of injured this last season. Obviously, 2021 was a lot more um, in line with what we come to expect from him. But I was just wondering, like, how much that would affect his draft stock going to the Senior Bowl seems like he kind of alleviated some of those concerns. Absolutely. Like, what, what, what did you see from, like, Jaden Reed when you were down there? He was great. I thought it was a great – He like, the Senior Bowl is uh, – it can be a great thing for guys exactly like him. Like, because I thought he was ready to go after 2021, and he came back. And I, you know, I don't want to make any – I don't want to ever say anybody makes a mistake or whatever. You do what you got to do. Um, I But he would have been drafted, right? I think he would have been a day two pick. Mm-hmm. And – then he comes back, and it's not the year that you want, and you know it doesn't work out. The team's plays poorly, people forget about you, and you get lost in the shuffle. And like that happens, and it happens with scouts. It happens with uh, everyone's human, and so you don't totally forget about the guy, but you sort of do, right? And the guy slips a little bit. It's not like he's not going to get drafted, but you come to something like this though, and the combine doesn't give you that one-on-one ability to go play against a peer. And he shows up at the and he dominated. I mean, nobody covered him. Him and yeah. Tank Dell were the two receivers that nobody could touch. Um, yeah, Jaden separated every single go route. I think he ran <laughs> in one on ones and had no problems uh, with any of that. Of course, those events are sort of made for receivers a little bit too. But he had a great week. The one thing I I think that I kept thinking about the whole week for the Lions, actually, um, other than some of the defensive guys, was like. Again, I just keep thinking about these linemen, and I think I think about there's a lot of guards and there's a lot of interior guys that a lot of guys I guess yep. that could play guard now and then be a tackle down the road mm-hmm. um, if you wanted them to be. And there's a lot there's a lot of options for that that I keep thinking about for the Lions. Like we've talked about that. Yeah. Chris brings that up all the time. Like, would you use a first round pick on a lineman? And Probably not. Like that is my answer on that one. Like Osiris Torrance, the kid from Florida, is an amazing guard um, who I think is yeah. terrific and absolutely a first round pick. Um, but I don't think he's a tackle down the. I don't think he'll ever be a tackle. I think he's just always going to be a guard. So I don't know if I would do that. I don't know. If, but when you get further down the list and you start talking about guys like Matthew Bergeron, the kid from Syracuse, who yep, I think he's the guy you mentioned. Yep. Yeah, who I think could be a tackle right now. But I also think could be a guard right now. And then in five years or whatever, if, whenever Taylor Decker is done or ready to move on or whatever it is, he's your new tackle. And then he moves in opposite Sewell. Sewell can play right or left. I think the kid like this could play right or left. And so it's one of those things where you're talking about you'd have to take him in the probably the second round. I don't think he's a first round pick, but I don't I wouldn't be shocked if somebody likes him that high. But that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like that extra TJ pick, right? Like that's what kept coming into my head a lot as I was watching the week because there's a lot of guys. This isn't a um, loaded, loaded offensive line draft at the top, but it's deep. And there's a lot of guys in that like day two range that I think could do some things for these guys to turn a good spot 
to an elite spot and keep it that way for a long time, which is kind of what you're trying to do, right? And I think they're at yep. that's they're at that spot now where you can start tinkering with some of those things. I don't know. What are your what are your thoughts on some of that? Yeah, I mean, I've been getting a lot of like whether it's a mailback question or just you know people tweeting at me asking me stuff like. It seems like fans want everyone want the Lions to go defense with like their first five picks. I don't know, yeah, like, right. Yeah. That's not realistic. First that's five, yeah. Works. That's just not how they work. Um, Let's load it up, I, damn it! Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> like we can knock out our defense with one yeah. draft. Like right. you can do that. You can fill some spots of agency. You can spend like three of your first five picks on defense. But I think we're gonna see. Like I'd be shocked if we didn't see like some offensive picks in there somewhere. Yeah, and, right. Like, when you're thinking about building a roster, like you, you also you have to think of the moment, obviously, but also you also have to think long term. Um, so yeah, the defense might be the big thing that you want to fix this offseason. but that doesn't mean you can't add a guy like Bergeron maybe at like 55 in the second round and be like, right. all right, we got our guard, he can start for us immediately, or in a couple of years if if Decker's no longer a fit here or whatever, um, you know, you, like you just mentioned, you push him out to tackle and mm-hmm. like. I love that. Like I remember you, you slacked me and Chris about that, and you're like, you know, this is, this it. is the guy to watch, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That'd be a good plan. Even if we're you're talking about a guy like Osiris Torrance, mm-hmm. um, if he's only a guard in the NFL, you lose some of that positional flexibility, obviously. So if right. you're, you're taking a guard in the first round because that's where you'd have to take him, basically, like at 18 or whatever, unless you trade down, um, like that kind of limits you a little bit. So why not get the guy that can play both in the second round, who might not right. be as good. Exactly, but right. Um, he can maybe might never, and he may never be as good. Maybe right. Maybe but, not. Torrance is, yeah. is a good player, very really good player. But yeah. if you can get the extra versatility, that can make up for it a lot. Hundred percent, like, like you said. So um, they're going to go offense, guys. Like they're going to look at some of these spots and look for ways to either build towards the future or make an immediate impact at a spot. Maybe they take a running back. Like who knows? Um, but no, I'm with you. Like if you can find a spot to upgrade like that. Uh, keep adding to your strengths. That's that's one thing that Brad Holmes said when he drafted uh, yeah. Penny Sewell. Um, I'm all for it. I think it makes sense. And I think that that's the that's the greatest point is that he you know a guy like Bergeron or Cody Maul or some and maybe not Cody Maul but some mm-hmm. of these other guys they may never be as good at one spot as someone like Torrance would be. But if I'm the Lions, I don't care because I already have Penny Sewell who is a generational tackle. I already have Ragnow who I think is a Pro Bowl you know perennial Pro Bowl center. And I already have Jonah Jackson, who I think is, again, same thing. I have three pieces long-term. And Decker's here for probably a couple more years. And I think that that's something that I have to remind myself a lot of times. You shouldn't overlook because he's not that old. But you have three really young guys in their 20s who are at the top of their game and I think are toward the top of the, if we start stacking players in the league, toward the top of the chart in their own positions. So if I'm taking a younger rookie who maybe is a, I like him as a tackle, and I think he can maybe play guard in a pinch, and we're going to make that work. I'm going to put him between Sewell and Ragnow and say, it's going to be fine. <laughs> because, like, anybody <laughs> could probably play between those two guys, <laughs> and it would be okay. Yeah. But if I got a good young player, you know what I mean? Like, And that is the mm-hmm. whole concept. And, the, yeah, I think Holmes gets that part of it. It's like, you know, this isn't about... You know, I was actually having a little Twitter back and forth with James Edwards there this morning on some Pistons stuff. Oh, no. And, yeah, my that. God, his Pistons mentions are <laughs> hilarious because there's a oh, lot of there's a lot of fire. needs there, right? This isn't yeah. about always filling 
every single need that you perceive as a need. Like, well, it's a need. I heard somebody told me that in the Pistons. Well, they have a need. Well, they don't have any needs. They're like 14 and 70. They're terrible. Everything is a need, yeah. right? But to this point, it's like your need is to be good. Your need at this point, if you're the Lions, is to be good. Is to take what you're good at and make it great. Like, that's also a need. And they've, got, they've done a lot of work with that offensive line in the run game to get really good at it and have a really special and kind of a cool thing that could be something great. Now you take the could be and you turn it over. It's not just it's not just about Sewell has to go from the best young tackle in the league to one of the best players in the league. It's not just about that. You have to continue to add and continue to stay young. Keep you know keep yourself young while you're getting older. It's it's that's the pro- that's what the Eagles do. You look at what what the Eagles have yep. done with their entire roster, and I get a lot of vibes of that strategy ish from Holmes and Agnew and these guys. I. And I, I don't think that would be off the table to to look at a piece that's already on the outside, looks like it's stable, but there's more to it when you look at it, when you peel it back and you could see the long term. And I think that this is the type of draft with the assets they've gathered, if they want to do that, that that's possible for sure. We'll see, yeah. though, because you could also trade. And we've got some questions here, too, because you could also trade. And that's the other thing. You could do a lot of trading <laughs> if you're the Lions. They have wow. a lot of picks. There's a lot they could do. You did a mailbag this week, Colton. It's up right now on the site. You can answer all these questions. We're going to go through a couple of these here. Yeah. Um, first one was uh, from Daryl. Uh, what are your thoughts and the likelihood uh, of trading up from six to try to get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? Um, and I got that question a lot, actually, after I did my mock draft two weeks ago. Because I had, in that one, I had the Raiders trading up. I had the Bears just sitting and taking Carter at one based on the yeah. thought that maybe they like him and maybe Bryce Young isn't the quarterback that people are willing to just trade their whole draft for. Maybe that's not the case here. So in that scenario, yeah, the two was open. And so, sure, like that's, you know, why can't they do that? Why wouldn't that be out of the question? And I don't think it's out of the question is my answer was my answer to whoever asked me that. And I, I didn't read your entire statement here, but yeah. like, I don't think that's out of the question. It would, it would, now, a lot would have to happen, right? And it's like, I don't know if I would do that, but like we've seen proof of the aggressive nature if they love a guy. So we'll see. But I don't think that's out of the right. question. I, I, in that section, I, I wrote that you do have the extra capital from the Hawkinson trade. Mm-hmm. We've seen Holmes go out to get a guy that he wants. Like there's proof of that. There's Absolutely. history behind it. Um, I guess for me, the question is like, what does the board look like at that point? Right. Um, I, I think I wrote it's more likely that you could probably trade up to three, like with the Cardinals, because they don't need a quarterback. That's like, actually what I was thinking. Hard... Three, not two. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three. Because the Texans will probably just stand pat and take a quarterback. The Colts right. at four. Seahawks will probably try to get like Anderson or Carter if they fall, unless they just really like one of these quarterbacks. Which I, I, don't, I don't think because they like Geno too. Um, so I actually think the Cardinals at three makes some mm-hmm. sense if you can give them an enticing enough package. Yeah, it wouldn't be that expensive um, either. Right, because they've got some yeah. needs too. They can, they can, they need to fill some holes too. Um, mm-hmm. New coach too, probably yep. wants more yep. draft assets. Um, so trade down from three to six. Maybe the Lions throw like fifty-five and six, four yeah. to three. I don't know. Maybe that's, that gets it done. I think that would probably do it. Yeah, that's not that yeah. bad. Yeah, right. If you're it's talking about talking about Will Anderson or something, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> basically trading Hawkinson, like <laughs> that's yeah. like. The, the, the pick right, you would get from Will the Hawkins trade, you just throw that in there for a Will Anderson or <laughs> I'll Jones take Hart. that. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so the way that would work is if like, okay, the Bears trade down to someone. Uh, let's say the, the Colts move up to yep. one. The Bears trade down to four. Uh, Colts take their quarterback. Texans take their quarterback at two. Now all of a sudden you're at three. You can take take your pick, Where Carter want, or yeah. Anderson. So I think that's probably the move. Uh, yeah. And you also stop the Bears from getting their guy. <laughs> right. Um, one or the other. Uh, but also, yeah, yeah the, the, the greater point there, I guess, from Daryl is he said he's just not excited about any other any of the defenders after those two guys. And that's really accurate. Well, I mean, it's accurate, though. The, the drop-off is real. The cliff, There's the edge, the edge after, because we're talking about uh, Carter and Will Anderson are two, you know, generational type, potentially, uh, defensive prospects. There's not anybody else, I don't think, in this class that we would say is that. And it's it gets actually kind of difficult where you're like, is there another... Is there another defender in this class um, that's top Who's 10? Who's the third best defensive prospect in this right. class? Right, that's the big question. And my yeah. and I go back and forth a lot on that. And sometimes, some days I end up on Brian Branch, the kid from Alabama, the safety, um, mm. who I don't know if I would draft him at six. Like, are you going to do that? And I, you know what I mean? Like, I, but I do think Brian Branch. Can I tell you something? What would you say? Branch? Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, on vacation, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. like a week of doing nothing. Yeah, right. I was doing a lot of mock drafts, uh, so much to a point where they, because I'm a sicko, so much to a point where they were bleeding over to my dreams. Oh, God. Right? So yeah. I, I, I almost slacked you and, and, uh, and uh, Chris this. I almost did it, but I'll say it right here. I went to bed. I, I had a dream where I was at six. The yeah. Titans wanted to trade up to get like an offensive lineman. I was like, all right, yeah, I'll trade back. And I picked up like an extra second or maybe a, a future first. I don't even know what got it done. But I traded down to 11. 11, yeah. And I drafted Brad. Or I don't even know if this was me. I think I was just like along for the ride. And Brad Holmes did this. <laughs> and he drafted Brian Branch at number 11. You're watching it. <laughs> and I almost, I almost slacked you guys. I'm like, if Holmes does this, and I'm saying this right now, if Holmes drafts Branch and trades down to 11, exact, that, that exact same That's scenario. That's pretty good. I'm buying a lottery ticket. I don't know. I'm, I'm like... <laughs> quit my job and <laughs> yeah just find a way to make some money or something that would work wouldn't it but that would work if you can move off of there move off that's what i think that that's the end all like we chris and i talked about that um i think it was actually the week that you were off so you're probably dreaming about your your draft like if you can move back that was a weird week you move back and yeah it, when you just look at it Without the chaos factor and just like, okay, well, here's how we think it's going to go, right? Like, we think the quarterbacks are going to go, blah, 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 bang, bang. And then those two guys will be gone. And then at six, it'll be this cliff. And then you won't, you'll be screwed. Like that, you know, that's the, and it's possible that that happens. But it's also very possible that that doesn't happen. And it's also possible that, you know, in a month after Anthony Richardson's pro day, he is a top five draft pick, whether you people agree with it or not like that's very possible like a lot not. yeah a lot of things yeah. could happen here in this top five that are unforeseen and it happens every year like <clears throat> so all it takes if you're at six is one thing one thing to go weird and one of those yeah. guys falls down and then suddenly you're talking about putting will anderson opposite aiden hutchinson or jalen carter next to aiden hutchinson and now we're talking okay now we're in glenn's yeah. like maybe i'll hang around for for a couple of years. <laughs> like that's all that yeah. it takes. And so yeah, it's um the likelihood of trading up, I don't know how likely it would be. It's certainly possible, but I think that the more likely 
scenario of the, of the two would be that some weird stuff happens and one of those guys falls. Because I don't think that that's totally out of the question, but I also don't think it's out of the question that those guys might... That's, I mean, because you said earlier that Houston... I'm not totally convinced they take a quarterback. I'm not totally convinced that this isn't just... The Bears can't find exactly what they want for one. Screw it, we're taking Jalen Carter because he's awesome, or Will Anderson because he's awesome, and the Texans, same thing. We have uh, Davis Mills. We have a 1,000 draft picks. Uh, we are going to suck this year, and we're going to be up here mm-hmm. next year with some of the best, be- with better quarterbacks at the top. We're taking Will Anderson or Carter. Let the rest of you guys sort out the quarterbacks. That that could be what happens here, and that changes yeah. everything, of course, right? So I think there's a lot what of things Texans, that people aren't yeah, looking at. What if they go, they go defense with the first pick? They've got number 12 and 33. Yeah. They could probably trade back up for a quarterback. <laughs> if they like, want to, the top, right. Like, yes. If they want to trade with the Lions and offer like 12 and 33 for six, I would do that. I don't know about There's you. There's a billion things the Texans could do. And like, we don't even know yeah, like, what they're... Like, what if, if Stout yeah. is there at And they actually and, like, have a young quarterback who isn't the worst thing. He's not good, but he's, he's not the... Bad. He's not a... Yeah, but he's not like... You're going to suck anyway. Like, the team isn't going right, to be right, good. Yeah. So what's the point? Why bring in... He could be like your like yeah. Andy Dalton. Or right. Like, your, like whatever. Treat him like, like that. Like, he's, he's yeah. here for it. If you have to ruin his psyche, who cares? Like, if it... I mean, not right, to be callous, yeah. but like... I mean, <laughs> no, if, it's, you're right, if, you're right, if you're right. talking about that or like C.J. Stroud having to like lead a team that's like struggling and maybe it... Maybe it's not good for him because he's got a lot of pressure on him. Davis... No, man. Like, here's just... Go out there and sling it, kid. We'll see what happens. I wouldn't hate that yeah. if I'm the Texans. If it means I can get um, Jalen Carter and I don't have to mess with the quarterbacks and I can just – I can take Jalen Carter at six and then I take a lineman at, at you know, what was the next, what's the next one, nine or some shit like that. And then I take another lineman and I start building my team. And then next year, if I'm the Texans, I'm still picking in the top five and I have a thousand more picks – because they do, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I think that there's a lot of things that could happen in the top three that people aren't necessarily looking at, yeah. and some of the panic about that's not panic yet about you're not you're going to be stuck with nothing. It's warranted, but it's also like you got to look at the full. You really do have to remember because it's easy to get lost in the sauce with the mock drafts, as Colton found <laughs> last week. Yes. That other <laughs> things, other things can happen that you're not necessarily. You know what I mean? Sort of looking for PFF yeah. is like rotting the minds of people. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're they do a good job like. with it. Yeah, we we need. Hey, look, if anybody at the it's athletic, fun. It's like addicting. I'm, and I'm not like <laughs> shitting on it. It's like addicting. It. It's like I do we it like every day. I can't get away are, from it. We are we wheels. I don't know how fast these wheels are, how big these wheels are, but wheels are in motion on the draft <laughs> team to get an athletic mock draft simulator built. Thank at you. Some, at, I don't that know how incredible. Now, Chris and I have talked about it. Dane has talked about it. We have talked about it together. If there's someone that knows how to do that at the athletic event, that has enough time, that's another conversation for another day. That'd but it is awesome. that has been with something Dane, Dane's big board. That's what I say. I'm like, why, why are we not amazing. doing this? Yeah, but in any yeah. event. Um, another one from Kevin here. We'll take a couple more and then we'll get out of here. Um, what are your thoughts and analytics behind trading back in the draft? Um, trading back. Yeah, I mean, again, like I think that there is a case to be made for them to do a lot of things here. And I think that that's what this, they have the flexibility to trade up or back. I I would trade back. Yeah. I mean, I would be open for it. 
but I would also it wouldn't be something that I would necessarily be seeking out this time because I think yeah. You have two first round picks. Like, I mean, how much more do you like? How many more do you need? I guess to a degree, if the deal is greedy, if the deal is like something that you can't pass up, though, and that's the point. Like, that's the not to totally go back to the Eagles thing all the time, but that's kind of what they've done. You know, where it's like we're not we're not trying to trade back. If all things are equal, we'll just sit here at whatever and take a good player. But if somebody's desperate, yes, we're going to take advantage of them being desperate. And I think that's that's the analytics or the whatever the notion or the logic behind trading back. If someone is so desperate that they're going to give you something that's stupid, yeah, you do it. Like that's what yeah. I think the position for trading back would be. Otherwise, I would probably be more focused on sticking and picking. What was the uh, the Justin Fields haul that the Giants got when they traded with the Bears so he can, they can go up and get them? I'm not I want to sh- say not sure. they got like a it was two it was like their own pick that year in the first round and the Bears was- traded their first round pick the following year, I think. And maybe something else. Uh, you can get a package like that. Let me look it up. Yeah, it was. It, it might not have been that much, but like, even if it's yeah, but like, maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe it was because they did have to go up quite a bit. You're right. So like, exactly. Maybe if it's a team like that, that's like out of nowhere. Like if Washington says, "Screw it, we're sick and tired of being in quarterback hell. Like we're gonna go and just be nuts here and go get, go get a guy." Like yeah, I mean that's. If that happens, then that's you know that's the dream scenario. But like that, yeah. they're not impossible. So the Bears sent pick number twenty and a fifth rounder, uh, in addition to a twenty twenty two first and a twenty twenty two fourth. Uh, two two firsts, a fourth, and a fifth. 11. Okay. Yeah. Just for eleven, so they so they moved up nine spots to get their guy. So I don't know how far you'd be willing to go back uh, if you're the Lions. If you go back from like six to I don't know what team needs like a quarterback well, in the range. Like Washington's well, a lot of them. Washington at Raiders. 16. Yeah. You need the the Lions need Richardson, Anthony Richardson to load it up to just and up. have a <laughs> yeah. have a damn spring. That's what they hey, need. So, Anthony so Richardson. you listen to that guys? All, all you guys that have been like shitting on Anthony Richardson, you, you should be his biggest fan. You need to get on the AR15. Well, he doesn't go by <laughs> AR15 anymore. You need to That's get right, on right. the Anthony Richardson bandwagon. <laughs> Get the pro day DVR and get ready because I'm telling you, <laughs> the higher that guy goes, if you if this becomes a four man quarterback, drive up the bidding war. Yeah, yeah, yes, because if we're all sitting here saying, well, Young and Stroud are top five picks, or they could be top ten picks, uh, worth trading up for. If teams are going to convince themselves that Will Levis is worth trading up for, and I think that there's going to be some that are. Then oh, yeah. you're oh, damn yeah. right. There's going to be some teams that are convinced Anthony Richardson. You need <laughs> you need that thing to keep cranking. Like that's that would be the best possible scenario for the Lions. Not not just to draft him or whatever. I'm not talking about that. Just yeah, yeah. Somebody else needs him. Somebody else is desperate. Somebody else is like, sure. we'll give you everything we got. Like that's and they're up there without them in Seattle are the two up there without any needs that are that pressing based on this board right now. If you can get to a point where, like, let's say you trade down no further than like sixteen, yeah. uh, and you can still get one of those corners with your first, you pick, can even go further. Uh, I think you can probably and get a good corner. Um, but let's say you get one of those corners, like middle of the first round. You add a if you're trading down that low, you'd probably be getting a first round pick in twenty twenty four. Oh yeah, so you're adding that. You can you're just put kicking the can down the road a little yep. bit, and you're adding more assets for next year. You can make a move next year if you if there's a guy you really like. Yeah. Um, 
with your own picks by that at that point. Um, you probably pick up a middle middle round pick too if you're doing a trade like that. So now you're helping yourself in 2023. You're helping yourself in 2024. Keeping the future focused there, like we've talked about. So I would not be opposed to that at all. You can still get a cornerback. You can still go best player available at like 18 at that point too. If someone falls, so these assets, these picks are these picks are assets. They're not. A first round pick is not necessarily even one player, right? It doesn't necessarily just right. mean one guy. It's an asset, and it's a future asset that is highly, highly valuable. Especially these flex ones that they've had over the like the Rams one. Now you get you look at this thing; it's six. Like you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it was thirty two last year. Well, now it's six. Like that, you know what I mean? It worked yep. out. Like these are valuable assets that you don't know what they're going to be, you know, in time. And I think that the greatest thing about the greatest thing about being uh, on schedule, because I still don't think they're ahead of schedule. I think they're on schedule, is that you have the flexibility to now put yourself ahead of schedule and stay there and stay there. Like, that's yeah. the biggest thing. It's not about we want to just get to the playoffs and win a playoff game, and then that's it, and then to hell with it. Like, and then yeah. we, and then everything goes to, you know, we mortgage everything to just get to that. And then we'll, whatever. No, like it's about getting yourself fixed and staying fixed. That's what is, staying al- fixed. Yeah. That is what has eluded the Detroit Lions for 75 fucking years. Getting <laughs> yourself fixed. They have got, they've been fixed before. They've had good teams. They've had, they put bandages on they've had, some Yeah, players. they've had very good teams, yeah. Hall of Fame players, but they've never, ever, ever had anyone that's capable or had the foresight or, actually had the time probably in some cases to mm-hmm. get them to that point of staying fixed staying healthy like that's that i think is the opportunity they have here in this draft is to really really take another step into just stamping the health of your franchise for beyond just the here and now because that's really the elusive thing that all the teams in the league are trying to get to right like that's what draft yeah. capital is all about that's what the that's how the ravens do it that's how the seahawks do it that's how uh, you know the Eagles again. Let Steelers. I mean, look at them. They're never bad. They're never bad. What's that stat about Tomlin that he's had? Like he's never had like never a had losing a record? losing record. That's like, insane. Look, yeah. and I think Mike Tomlin's awesome. <laughs> I think Mike Tomlin's one of the best football coaches in football. Okay, I don't want to take anything away from him. But the reason why he's never had a losing record is because they draft as well as anybody in the league. Period. End of story. Can't yeah. be the first one to tell you that. Like that's that's what it is. Yeah. That's the opportunity that, that I feel like they have here. So I think that, yeah, I think there's a lot on the, on the, a lot of possibilities. And if I were Detroit, I, I guess my biggest thing is like, I would just sort of sit there and for a change, let other people freak out and panic and try to play mm-hmm. their, try to play their situation mm-hmm. for your own benefit. You're finally in a situation maybe where that can happen. That that's kind of exciting to me. Like that, more so than in the previous two years, where it was like, yeah, oh, you really, you can't leave Friday without X, Y, and Z. <laughs> if they do that, it's a yeah. fucking disaster. No, that's not what this is. It's a lot mm-hmm. of things, a lot of ways this could go in these first two days where it would be a win. And I don't even know what all those reasons, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios. And I think that, you know, it'd be fun to go into all of them here. But, uh, yeah. Got anything else today before we run, run out here? No, I mean, I guess the, the more we talk about this, it's like, the Lions can do whatever they want. They really could. Draft. They're in a great spot. And whatever they want. I don't know how how many times you could say that in the past because they were they were just no. were so many needs. This is as and good a still spot. Plug some holes. But this is as good a draft man. situation that I can remember. Really, I mean, I 
in the last 15 years, uh, you know, I mean, going back further, yeah. I guess maybe there's been some somewhere in there that I'm not thinking of, but I mean, based on where the team is at, um, where the staff is at, your faith in the general manager and his scouting department, uh, all those things. And not even, I'm not even talking about the fact that they have all these assets. Like that alone right. would be enough to be. That's a good you, spot alone. Yes. <laughs> right. Even if you had like, if you had an idiot GM that you didn't trust, if you had an idiot coach that you didn't trust, you'd still be like, well, this could be a good offseason, right? We could, we could <laughs> accidentally have a good draft. But you do have a GM that you trust. You do have a coach that you trust. And you have all that. So, yeah, I think every time we end up talking about this, you end up with the same result, right? Where it's like you can nitpick about things, but, man, they are in a really good spot to really do a lot of good things this year in the offseason here. Yeah. Not, not just the draft, free agency, the whole shot. But, you know, I guess we'll see how it goes. Right. I would just say keep the focus on that. Yeah. They, they are in a good spot. They can do whatever they want. They can trade up. They can trade down. Um, and a lot of things. Whoever they get, I, I think they'll. we'll see that they're going to come away with some some starter quality players. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for in a, in a draft like this and the position that they're in right now. Yeah. So they're going to have this point. team. And, yeah. That's the best point is that I do think that, and Chris and I have talked about this, and you and I have talked about this, the – Holmes, I think, has earned a little bit of, uh, like, whatever, trust yes. from the yep. fans that you're not going to draft an idiot <laughs> or whatever. You're not, they're not going to draft just a sh- terrible player that's just not going to do. If it doesn't work, you know, whatever. Maybe it's like a uh, guy got hurt or man, didn't quite, but it's not going to be, what are you doing? Like, what is this? Like, what the hell is yeah. happening? Like, I think that we can probably go out on a limb and say that you can trust them a little bit that that's not coming and i think that with lions fans that's usually the biggest bridge to cross where it's like you're not going to screw yeah. us are you and draft a friggin' <laughs> like holder in the second round or something like that. Like, yeah <laughs> in any event okay that's good for this week i think um i think we'll try to keep this we're trying to keep this week to week um at least through the draft uh, we'll try to stick on that and See what else is going on. Maybe next week we'll have more clarity on the coaching staff. But in any event, I think that's good for this week. Colton, you good? I'm good, yep. All right. That sounds good. Thanks for listening, as always. Be sure to subscribe both to to The Athletic and to the show. That'll do it for this week. For Colton, I'm Nick. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you later. 